Hello once again, Internet, and here we are again with the Made Men Tell No Tales podcast. We are on episode 13, lucky number 13. Woo! Woo! Made 13 episodes. There's a large break in the audio there, oh man. Anyways, uh, I am, as always, your host, Carter Vance. And I'm the magnificent, well, not so magnificent, Adam Barrett. Yes, and each week we bring you reviews of movies and also off-topic nonsense that goes nowhere. That's what we do. And annoys everyone. Anyways, uh... This week, we're bringing you a film, a review of a film, I should say, uh, as we often always do. But uh, first, you can email us at MadeMenTellNoTalesPodcast with dots between the words at gmail.com, or you can just go to our website, MadeMenTellNoTales, all one word, all lowercase, dot blogspot.com for all the previous episodes and uh, show notes, things like that. And, uh, yeah. And you can also get our email address there, and also download the music that we use as the opening of the podcast. Anyways, um, this week, we skipped a week accidentally because just some stuff came up, so we about that. And also, our theater hates us uh, in our town because they elected not to put on Prince of Iran, which, yes, I realize it will be terrible internet, but I kind of need to see it just because I like the video games. We need to come up with a podcast for it, I mean. Yeah, and I think it'll be good podcast material. But uh, they like to put on something else instead, something that I'm not going to talk about for the sake of posterity. Yes, let's not. But anyways, um, we watched so we watched uh, a movie this week, which I had already seen, but Adam hadn't. I rewatched it for the purposes of this podcast, and uh, it's a movie called Boondock Saints De, or Boondock Saints Two, All Saints Day. Now, uh, let's um, so Boondock Saints Two, obviously. It's a sequel to the original Boondock Saints, which is a 1999 movie. It's written and directed by a guy named Troy Duffy, so it's this. Interesting story. <laughs> uh, there's a Yeah, it's one of those movies where the story behind the movie is, like, maybe more interesting than the movie itself. There's actually a, do- a really good documentary about the making of uh, Boondock Saints called Overnight that I would recommend if you want to learn about, like, the Hollywood movie-making system and, and how it works. It, Overnight is a really good example of that. But, um... Anyways, this is the long-awaited, in some circles, uh, sequel to Moondock Saints. Moondock Saints, the first one, for those of you who didn't know, which included Adam before he saw this movie. Um, it was sort of this, it's a, it's kind of a crime thriller, but very hyper-stylized sort of thing that it didn't do very well in the theaters. It kind of bombed, it didn't get a very big release, but it did very well on DVD and sort of became a cult classic. And But there's... Also, the sort of resurgent movement against it, where people are saying it doesn't deserve to be a cult classic. But anyway, uh, we're not going to get into that right now because this isn't a review of the Boondock Saints, the first one proper. We might do that at some point, but this is a review of the second one. Now, just to come in with both of our perspectives, I have seen the first Boondock Saints, Adam... I have not. Adam has not seen the first Boondock Saints. So, you're going to get two different perspectives for you. One person who has seen the first one and one person who hasn't. Now, right up front, I like the first Boondock Saints. I think it's a good movie that has maybe been marred by its sort of devoted cult of followers. They're like slavery devotion to it that I find really no reason for. I think it's a good action movie that has, you know, a fair amount of personality but also has some problems in terms of the way it's cut and the way it uh, frames things and the way it uh, the way it tries to use certain iconography, but I think it's a good movie, I, you know, it's a it's a decent, uh, no, it's good, it's good, it's a good action 
sort of movie. It it has, you know, good action sequences. It's got, in, you know, the the plot is kind of superfluous, but it's it's interesting enough to get you through. It's a decent movie. Now, this movie, uh, why don't we have Adam, who hasn't seen the first one, why don't you try, okay, describe to me the plot of Boondock Saints 2. Oh, God. Um... <laughs> The two brothers, who were the kind of protagonists of the first and second movie, apparently they're now living in um, Ireland, which clearly... Really finally, just fantastically accurate depiction of Ireland. Oh, clearly, because it's clearly all a country of um, goat herders and um, isolated farmers, clearly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyway, they've apparently grown gigantic shaggy beards and long hair. And, uh, so then, apparently, though, someone is, uh, like, mimicking their, like, murders that they did, or their, like, vigilante justice that they did. Yeah, they find a, they find a priest murdered in Boston, and done in their style, it's, you know, two shots, pennies on the eyes. Yep. So, uh, anyway, so then they're like, oh, well, we can't have this, no one's gonna do this to us, and then they, uh, decide to... Uh, find their old weapons, which are clearly, because clearly now I'm afraid to go to Ireland because everyone has a secret stash of passports, money, and guns. Just, uh, just, just underneath their barn. Yeah, just buried in their barn yeah, somewhere. Yeah. So that's how it works. And then there's you know the sequence where they you know cut their hair and they get all they get you know battle ready as it were. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so keep, keep going. Keep so. Uh, that goes on, and then we also see um, Julie Benz's character come in, and she's uh, she's this kind of interesting, like psychic FBI investigator kind of. So uh, yeah, she's the in. equivalent to what was in the first movie. Willem Dafoe's character who played the FBI agent who was looking for you know trying to figure out who was doing these murders, but along the way sort of developed a sympathy and a, and a kind of relationship uh, with the. Uh, the brothers who are doing this, who are the titular, you know, Boondock Saints. Yep. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, so, you meet Joy Benz, and then uh, what else happens? So pretty much after that, they go and try to hunt down the guy who did this. And, okay, well, well, you skip something. They come over on a boat. Oh, right, the boat. They meet their yeah. friend, they Clifton, meet their Clifton, friend. Clifton, Clifton Collins Jr. Oh, God. In one he of the finest just... performances I've ever seen in cinema. Oh, God. It's so it's painful. Mexican man on the oh, boat who's God. Like in. I got connections. Oh, I got God. connections, son. What we oh. got connections? Um, oh, Mexican guy so on the bad. boat when they come over and he's like in, I don't know, bare knuckle boxing rings. Yeah, and, you know. Yeah. And the and the Boondock Saints clearly prove themselves again when they defeat, like, the toughest guy on the ship or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So, okay, continue describing. So, anyway, they basically get to uh, Boston, and then they start on this kind of big investigative kind of thing where they're trying to hunt down the guy who did it and stuff. Yeah, eventually and, turns out it's connected to, like, the Italian mob. Yeah, it's connected to the Italian mob. And, and then the Chinese mob. And they're all working together. But it's all being orchestrated by, in the end, by this guy called the Roman. But anyway. Yeah, who uh, we should have mentioned before that when they were living in Ireland, they were living with their father, Billy Connolly, who yeah. in some flashbacks. Really are, slumming it. Billy Connolly, just fantastic in this movie. And you know the Roman was played by Peter, uh, was it Peter O'Toole? I think it was Peter hmm. O'Toole. So, from Lawrence of Arabia to this, how far you have fallen or how high you have ascended, depending on you, how you look at <laughs> um, it. 
<laughs> no comment there. But, yeah. Um, as you learn in the, some of the flashbacks, Billy Connolly's character, the, who's the father of the Moondock Saints, uh, he uh, has a history with this the Roman character because he was kind of the same, Billy Connolly's character was kind of the same way that these guys are kind of a vigilante back in his, you know, earlier years. And uh, the Roman did some stuff that, you know, got him uh, put in jail for a while. But anyway, uh, yeah, that is the plot of the film. All of what I just described is entirely superfluous to the viewing experience. Pretty much. The plot and the viewing experience are kind of... uh, Divergent, let us say. Yeah. Um, So I'm just going to let you go, Adam. Um, What, like, as a person who has, like, you went into this cold. Yep. You had no idea no what idea this whatsoever. was. You just see the cover, and okay, it's got some guys with okay. some guns. Okay, th- this lo- okay, this could okay. be good. That's, yeah. that's interesting. Um, so, so what? So, what was Troy Duffy's like? Uh, what? What did he? What, what do you think was his central thesis? Okay, like I'm going to say three words to describe this entire movie. Okay. What the hell? Okay, explain further, please. Um, I don't even know how to explain it here. There are, there is a psychic FBI investigator who dresses like a cowboy in one, like, shootout scene. Yeah. She's not actually there. No, she just just, psychically can figure out what's going on. And that's how you see the shootout, is through her psychic interpretation of it. You don't actually see the real thing going on. You see someone, a flashback of it happening through someone else's mind when they're dressed up like... it, like they're in a western, like. Yeah. And then there's that scene near the beginning when they kill the Chinese mafia members. Oh god. And there's god. that part where like yeah. it goes into the grindhouse film grain, and like it shows them doing this really badass action scene. Yeah. And then they actually do it, and they totally fucking up. Yeah, it's like ah oh, fail. Yeah. Here's the the deal. Troy Duffy is somebody who, he was a guy who when he made the first Moondock Saints. He was a bartender and a bouncer. He, he had no experience in Hollywood, but he just wrote this script, and it was a long story, But and he got it financed and whatever. He is a very, very idiosyncratic man. Yeah, really. He is a man who... I'll give him this. He knows what he likes, and he knows what he likes in movies, and he is going to just put it all in one thing, and you figure it out from there. Exactly. You don't need to... Uh, you need to actually have it connect together or anything, or no. have a good flow. Oh hell just, no! Oh hell just no! Just throw it all it together. It is not. It is more a collection of individual scenes than it is an actual film. I I would agree. I I would actually agree with that greatly. But some of those scenes are awesome. Hmm. Such as, let's uh, go. Okay. Well, okay. Well, let's talk about this. I was thinking, watch it. I watched this last night to just kind of jog my memory. I went through it kind of quickly, but um, I think the central issue I have with this movie that kind of keeps it from I could okay. Clearly, this movie wants to be you know a, a little crazy, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's it's very sort of over the top and exaggerated, much like something like Crank is or any of those things. Um, but I think the central issue that kind of keeps it from attaining that level of, you know, quite two brilliance is, is two things. First of all, it's the fact that as characters, I don't really like the Boondock Saints themselves. 
They are very kind of flat. They're very really flat. And I understand that you need a straight man to kind of facilitate all the craziness around them. Like, because Clifton Collins Jr., he's awesome. He's great. Billy Connolly yeah. is the guy's dad. He's awesome. He, he is pretty awesome. I will give him that. The, but uh, I like Billy Connolly. Ju- but... Even Julie Benz. I, I, I think it seems to be her fate to be like the woman in the crazy action movie because she's in Rambo, she's yep. in Punisher Warzone, and this. And this is actually... Ordinarily, I'm kind of lukewarm on her. I actually really liked her in this movie. Yeah. Just because he was so, like, dedicated to being this crazy performance. Yeah, like, it, it was just... She was crazy. Like, you could see her as, like... She was not only crazy, but she had that kind of, like, person in authority way about her, too, at the same time. Yeah. So, it was even worse. Like, it was just... Yeah. You would be scared. <laughs> yeah. And she also had, like, this whole Southern Twang thing, too. It was really... Yeah, it was weird, the Southern Twang. It was... But I actually think she did a pretty decent job with that. Yeah. Um, well, you had the three, uh, like, detectives who were stumbling around, too, yeah, all the time yeah. around her. That well, was those kinda... are, those are Well, those are guys from the first movie, too. I think that's, like, your Marx Brothers tribute or something? Maybe or like a little a... bit. Just these three, like, kind of bumbling jackasses that are just trying to run the investigation. But they're... I don't know, they do a really good job for what their characters are. But the thing is, like I say, I don't really like the Boondock Saints itself, because, as you say, they're kind of bland. Both of them are kind of samey. They're kind of like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of action movies. I like where you went with that. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. And the other thing is, I, I don't think the actors, like, I wonder, I don't want to blame the actors, because I think people blame actors too much in movies, because sometimes it's a script. But I don't really, like, think that the guys playing them are that charismatic. They're, they have their moments. I, I will say that. They have their moments. There's that one glorious, shining, the best line in the movie when they roll out that guy, like the, I think it was the guy's dead body or something that had Aaron Gobra written on the back of him and then the Italian mobsters are like, oh, what the hell does that mean? And then the one guy comes and says, it's Irish for you, fuck. And then he yeah. just shoots everybody. Yeah. Like, that's brilliant. Yeah. I, I do love the fact that they're like, Hideout is like this Irish pub yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like, Irish pub. <laughs> like it's totally like, it's it's you know that's I think part of the appeal of of both movies is the fact that you know it's good old boys you know shooting everybody up. It, it's not somebody like you know Jason Statham doing it. It's these two guys who, I mean that might be part of the appeal and maybe why is that it's these two guys who seem relatively normal. But and you know they kind of bicker with each other, but I, I just don't really like them as characters, and maybe it's only because they're surrounded by these kind of outsized figures, like you know Billy Connolly, like Peter O'Toole as a woman. Um, but they feel a little flat and bland by comparison. Yeah, well, I mean it's it's hard when you've got like, <laughs> I mean I, I love Billy O'Connolly. The oh, Billy Connolly's just, brilliant, like in anything. Uh, did I just say O'Connolly? I meant uh, Connolly. Jeez. Billy Connolly. Um, yeah, but the other thing I think that keeps it from attaining that kind of quite two level is the fact that this has pretensions to, if not profoundity, at the very least that sort of Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese sort of cinema of the cool sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It has pretensions to that, whereas Crank, something like Crank has no pretensions to anything. So... Uh, there's like shots like the way he uses music is very Scorsese esque, you know, the slow mo when people are pulling the guns out, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the the way like the kind of uber hip arch like arch dialogue where everything is in quotation marks. Yeah, and, and the fact that he references co- other movies. Yeah, in your the consistent dialogue. references to all kinds of stuff. 
Yeah, it's a little derivative. It's a little, like, this is trying too hard to be hip sort of thing. I could see that. Um, but, and the other thing is, I think, I have an issue with the way Troy Duffy orchestrates action scenes. Mm-hmm. And the reason is this. For some of the action scenes in here are really good, like the scenes where they jump through the skylight in the guy's garden. That is an interesting that scene. Was awesome. The way that shot, like the guns fall into the, the water and then they crash into that's a great scene. Um I actually liked the the bare knuckle boxing little match that he had. I thought that was well shot. Yeah. But And your interesting uh Mexican sidekick that comes along uh, afterwards. God, oh, the God. Mexican sidekick. I love Clifton Collins Jr. as a Mexican sidekick. He's brilliant. Oh, um, God. But I also think that the problem is when he orchestrates a gun battle, the way he does it is he basically just shows the good guys shooting, and then he'll cut to another shot of, like, the bad guys, like, going, ah, and falling. Yeah. And... There's no continuity between it. Yeah, it feels like you're watching two separate scenes that almost have nothing to do with each other. Like, they're not cut correctly. And sometimes that sort of stylistic thing can work, but he does it every time. And it's not even, like, something, like, in The Matrix or something where you have, like, good guy shooting, opponent falling, kind of. It's not even like that because at least in, like, The Matrix... They're never on the screen at the same time. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't have any... Like spatial relations. Exactly. Yeah, that's the problem with the way they're shot, and the problem is all the action scenes are shot like that. Yeah, all, all the gun battles anyway. Yeah, I will say this movie is very, like you said, it's very idiosyncratic. It, yeah, that's the thing about it. Yeah, it is just so like weird, for lack of a better word. It like, is weird. Like, like it's there's just these parts and scenes that make. No sense. Like, the part where they're, they're... The thing where they're sitting at the bar and just the cat walks by for no reason. Yeah, just... It's like, it's just there. Like, he could have cut it, but why yeah. the hell? I, in one hand... Like, I had to watch it again just to see, like, okay, well, what the hell did I just watch? Yeah, like, yeah, that's, yeah that's a good reaction. Um, but, uh, no, when I saw it, like, a second time and stuff, um, and I'm kind of wondering if he's trying to go for that like an almost kind of quirky, idiosyncratic kind of almost tinge of Irish humor kind of or something. Well, I think like, he is. I think he's definitely sort of making, um, you know, a, a tribute to kind of these stock archetypes of, of the way things are. Although I, I, I think the problem is he's also trying to be serious and make like an actual action movie at certain points. Yeah, so just, just when no. he has these moments of like really slapsticky comic relief, like, the part where the guy's, like, tied to the trolley, or he's taped to it, and then he, like, stands up, and he's, like, can't, like, get through a doorway. Yeah. Like, he has these moments of really slapsticky comic relief, but then placed, like, right next to these action scenes, or these, like, scenes where he's trying to inject a little bit of seriousness into it, and he's trying to take on... And it's good that he's, like, trying to take on all these things and make a movie that has total variety, but the problem is the, the slapstick is too slapstick. It gets and the to the point of being ridiculous. Oh, yeah, it gets to the point of being ridiculous. That's part of the issue. But as you were saying, you watch this movie again, it's sort of... And it it made a bit more sense, yeah. but uh, 
it's getting there for you. Maybe if you watched it again. Maybe I don't know. There's still some things I don't think will make any sense to anyone really. I mean, like the point where they're talking to the police chief, and then the guy walks in holding like the dog. And he's yeah, just like, not now. Like, no, he just goes not now, and it's like, what was that about? It's <laughs> just like what? It's just out of nowhere, like, and that's the way this the whole movie seems to proceed. Like, there are even entire scenes, like that dream sequence. Oh, God, the dream talk- sequence is just they're going around screwy. Boston and talking about, like, you know, what does it take to be a real man, that kind of thing. Like, just these scenes that have, like, almost nothing to do with anything, really, but just, they're, they're there. They're just in there to... But part of those, I will say this, part of those are probably to appease fans of the original, because that character, I realize you wouldn't know this, but that character was a character that died in the original, but people liked him, so they wanted oh, okay. to see him back. So he had to write him in somehow. And that's the thing. A lot of this movie is kind of just fan service for people it, who like I, the, like I got the feeling that there's some fan service like going on. Like the original. Like, it's just like, okay, we have to bring back this guy. We have yeah. to bring back well, this actor. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe has a cameo at the very, very end. Yeah, and it's like, I saw you die by... Uh, at, I saw you at your funeral or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. You look good in that dress or whatever. It's just like, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, especially to you as somebody who's never seen the original. Like, yeah. It, basically, it, this has, like, it's four fans. You need to see the You need to see the original. Yeah. This is four fans first and foremost. But I just wanted to see because Adam hadn't seen it. I wanted to see what the reaction would be from somebody who hadn't seen the original. Just to... It, it's just a WTF moment. Yeah, like. it's really just bizarre. But let's talk about aspects we liked, because, we, we, it's like, what did you like about them? I, I like that it was kind of quirky, though. I, I kind of like that. And, and Just the idea that somebody had the guts to make this. Just the idea that something like this could still be made, and we don't need to go through an no. entire summer of Michael Bay blockbusters no, like, or something. This is, it, it's totally just, like, idiosyncratic. The director, writer, is just, like, letting you into his brain, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And it's, like, a crazy brain. It's insane. Yeah. It's like, he's watched too many movies. But, yeah, but, like, that's kind of awesome that, like... Well, the other thing, this is a pretty damn low-budget movie. Only, yeah. Only $8 million. Really? And it doesn't really look it. It looks... No, it looks... It's like well a, shot. It's, it's well lo- lit. It looks like it's a higher-budget uh, movie. He does do... There are some really arresting images in it. Yeah. On occasion. Uh, the problem is, of course, like, as we were saying, that he... I don't think he has a command of tone. That is the number one issue with Troy yeah. Duffy as a writer-director. He does not understand the, uh, the concept of total shift. Yeah. He doesn't understand the idea that you have to ease into these things. He's just like, I can go from this to this to this to this to this yeah. in, in two scenes. And and it the best just... way to describe it is to almost compare it to music or something. You need to, you can't just go from one thing abruptly to the other without any sense of drama to it. If you're going to do that, it needs to be dramatic. It needs to be there for a reason. Otherwise, you need to have a good progression from one element to another. Yeah, it doesn't really... It doesn't exist here. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And... The other, but but let's talk about okay. Let's talk about performances. Oh, I guess we already have, but let's talk about this. Bill, uh, well, who is your favorite performance? Oh God, that that's a tough one. Because it's a movie, uh, definitely a movie of, of character actors like Peter O'Toole and Billy Connolly. They're, they're definitely are, slumming it. They're slumming it, but they're, they're taking they're, their time doing yeah, it. Yeah, they're, like they're, they're they're doing it with a grin on their face. And yeah, they're like, they're, right, they're we'll, enjoying we'll, we'll it. We'll do this. Yeah, like I'll make this this movie the, for the, you. They're doing it because they want to do it for fun. They're not doing it to make money. You're actually proving their acting jobs no, here. No, no, no. Uh, but who was your favorite performance? Oh God, I don't even know. They were all, 
they were all pretty good. I mean, jeez, <laughs> uh, like. Even, like, even, again, it's just, like, the only performances I don't really like are the two main guys, and that's part of the issue is that I think you, for a movie like this, you need a strong central figure. You need a Jason Statham in the Quag. Like, yeah. And I don't know, you could have framed this so that the, the two were almost like a... You could throw in an element of, like, buddy cop movie almost, and then that they would... They do a little of that with them bickering, but it's more like yeah. sibling rivalry sort of thing. Yeah, well, which does make sense, because yeah. they are brothers. Yeah, you, want, but... you want a combination of, like, sibling rivalry, buddy cop, and vigilante kind of thrown all together. Yeah, whereas this is a little more... When it gets to that relationship, it's just kind of this... It's on this sort of, I don't know, ju- like, a little bit juvenile... And I would say that that statement kind of applies to the entire movie a little bit. Yeah. Like, it does have a very, very um, absolutist, let's say, morality. At oh, least God. In the, at least in the first one, there was some attempt to sort of question what, what the Boondock Saints were doing. Was Yeah, and this, no, no, they're right no matter what, and you no. do not question And, and them. at the end, where, like, they're all protesting and saying that they should be let free because everybody loves them, basically. Yeah, it's The like, ending, which also sets up Boondock Saints 3, which I'm hoping will exist. Because, uh, like, like, like Adam said, I, I may not, like, think this is the best movie ever, but the thing is, things like this need to get made just because... It's not a, a fifty million dollar. It's not like a hundred twenty million dollar budget blockbuster that's homogenized for everybody. This is a movie. It's idiosyncratic. Like, it's for a specific audience. It's quirky and the flow is weird. But if you like it, you like it. And because of that, we need more of things like exactly. this. Exactly. You need directors and writers who are willing to take a risk. And now some people may say, "Well, is he really taking a risk by making this? Because he knows there's built-in fan base." True, but. He didn't know what he made in the first one. Even though it, it is certainly indebted to Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino, it does have this more overtly comic edge to it. So, That's he didn't true. It's know. like It's like a more slapstick kind of Tarantino <laughs> movie, almost. Yeah, it, it's very much... Doesn't and that's have, hard to do, I mean... Yeah, and at least he's going for it. That's the thing. Like, even if he doesn't get all the way there, at least he's trying. At least he's not just making... Because in terms of basic plot mechanics... This could be any straight-to-DVD action movie. Yeah. Just plot alone would have made this worthy of, I don't know... Jean-Claude Van Damme in the starring role. Well, no, yeah. no, no, that's not even good. Steven Seagal in the Steve, Steven Seagal. I, I was going to go... Uh, I was going to be nasty there and say Punisher Warzone. Hey, but. hey, hey, that's a good movie. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's, it's, it's just that... I, I think, like I say, people... I think we need to make movies like this because they are so idiosyncratic. They are, like... It's a... Not not to sound sexist, but this is a guy's movie. It is. It's like, it doesn't make any attempt. There's no romance subplot. There's no. no like, there's no female characters except Julie Benz, who actually, she's actually, like, the one thing, I mean, even though Troy Duffy is obviously writing this as, like, a guy's guy's action movie, it's not, like, sexist or anything. No, like, no, the, there's no, like, oh, big tough guy has to save no, and frail there's no, woman and there's also, like, she's not really, even though they do some, like, lingering shots on her legs and things like that. But that's just to kind of, like, almost enhance her position of power almost. Yeah, and she, it's also, like, the guys are drooling over that sort of thing. But, like, she, there's no, like, unnecessary, like, scene where she takes her shirt off or anything like that. The, and like the one scene where like you think it might be going that direction when um 
By the way, Ricky from Trailer Park Boys is oh, in this God. movie. Yeah. Um, when Ricky from Trailer Park Boys, I don't know the actual actor's name or the character's name, I just know him as Ricky from Trailer Park Boys. When he um, comes up behind her and like grabs her in the elevator, and you think, oh, here we go with you know somebody getting kidnapped. But then, no, she's, like, within, like, one cut, she's, like, breaking his arm on the table. Yeah, it's actually pretty hilarious. It is, it's... That's kind of awesome, the way he cuts that. Um, so, like, even though it is this sort of, like, it, I guess it, it, if you want to be, you know, sociological about it, it's sort of a progressive guy's guy's action because it's not, like, doing these stupid yeah. things. It's just, like, okay, I'm going to... Basically, it's a movie where everybody's a badass, basically. Yeah, and Except the characters who are meant to be comic relief, like this dumb cops. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing about it, is that it is it is a comic movie. It, it's good because it, it doesn't take itself seriously. No. Like, there's even that part where um, uh, Clifton Collins Jr., the Mexican guy, is trying to figure out what, like, a, a cool action movie line to say. After yeah, the like, he's trying to come up with a good one-liner or something, yeah. and it's just, oh, gosh... <laughs> And then, like, he says the one-liner, and they don't like it, and then the movie kind of doubles back on itself, and so he can say a different one-liner. Yeah, there's, there's some very fourth-wall Yeah, there's a lot of fourth-wall moments in it, too. Which yeah, I, I like that. I, yeah, so he's definitely, like, an, a guy who's got ideas banging around in his head, and they're not, like, deep philosophy things, but they're just like, wouldn't this be cool? Wouldn't yeah, there, this be there's cool? fun, quirky things, and, and you need more movies like this. But. Exactly, you need more movies like this, and like Crank 2, where it's just people who are saying, let's just do this, let's just yeah. make... Let's just, you know, break the fourth wall, just kind of, like, actually connect with your audience and fan base a bit. And exactly, because like... it invites you to engage with the movie a little more when they break that fourth wall. Yeah. It's, it's saying, like, don't just watch this, sort of get involved with it. And it's definitely a movie I can see being like, like the first one, the cult favorite, where you know people go to the midnight showing and they you know scream and holler and throw things at the screen. Like it, it yeah. has that quality to it. It really does. Yeah. But on the other hand, watching it by yourself a little less fun. Yeah. Because also not understanding the background behind it, also slightly confusing yeah, first time around. Yeah. So. I, I definitely think, like, again, it's a movie for fans of the first movie, so don't go in thinking, like, oh, okay, well, I can just watch this one. No, no, no. No. You will be confused as hell. I will give yeah, you that Yeah, because there's a lot of references to the first one. If, if, if At the end with Willem Dafoe, if you don't know that he's the guy from the first one, you're just going to be like, okay, Willem Dafoe's in this movie yeah. now. And like, apparently he died, but he didn't die. Yeah, and, and... you're like, just what? But, like, so definitely see the first one. And if you're a fan of the first one, you've probably already seen this. Now, I on the internet, this movie is, uh, both movies, really, very, very, very divisive. I can see that. Because there's a camp of people who absolutely love these movies, and they're kind of psychotic about it, I'm not going to lie. Uh, they seem to have a devotion to it, which I find kind of understandable. I guess because it is so idiosyncratic, and they're just embracing that idiosyncrasy. And they're also embracing, I think, partially the fact that, you know, it is kind of a movie that's steeped in that kind of stereotypical Irish culture. Uh, yeah, the, you know the Catholicism and the and the, the, and the there are there are the some and the, you know, yeah. Well, other. again, I, I love the one part where it's just like, oh crap, they're attacking the bar. You got yeah. to defend the bar. Yeah, you got to like, defend <laughs> the bar. The one thing we like, have left. Yeah, th- like I think people are embracing that. It's the kind of. Uh, you know, go to the pub and drink green beer on St. Patrick's Day. Sort it's of it's that kind of um, humor, yeah. Yeah, 
but that's okay. But there's also a camp of people who really despise it. But I, I, I think they're despising not so much the movie itself as A, the fans, and B, Troy Duffy is kind of a jackass. If yeah. you read his interviews or if you see Overnight, he's kind of really full of himself. And he, I don't know if he, like, just that's partially a put-on just to annoy people or if he really thinks he's a cinema tour, but... I think that's just kind of in his personality and his background and being, like, a bartender and bouncer yeah, and stuff. Yeah, he probably he needs to put on sort of belligerent. I, I think way. it's almost a self-defense thing just to kind of... Yeah, let's, let's really go into the deep psychology. Right? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a self-defense thing so he can defend his work. I mean, yeah, but because I, I think because he feels screwed over because of all what happened at the, with the original Moon Yeah. So he's, maybe he's a little bitter at this point. Who knows? I, uh, yeah. But... You know, that's outside of the movie itself. So, okay, let's start wrapping up. What was your, let's go, uh, let's go favorite aspect of Boondock Saints 2, All it's, Saints It's quirky and it's fun. I, I like it. it. It's it's not something you're going to watch to actually, you know, it's not going to be a memorable, like, Oscar-winning movie whatsoever. But it no. it's nice, it's fun, it's quirky, all the actors are having fun with it. They're, it breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> it It's good in that sense. Yeah. I would agree with that, and I would also add that I think it, for the most part, it has really good performances. I think certain individual sequences are really, uh, like, effective in terms of the way they're cut and the way they're, the cinematography. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, a movie that's a lot more well-made than its budget would make you think if you just looked at the budget straight on. And I also like the fact that it's idiosyncratic. I also like the fact that, you know, this isn't gunning for the widest possible audience. It's saying no. Somebody's gonna like this. I'm putting it out there. Some people are gonna hate it, but whatever. To use the uh, kind of uh, bring it back to the bar again. To use the uh, brewery term, it's like microbrewery. It's it, like a microbrewery in terms yeah. of cinema. It's not like you 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 bullshit. It's not, like, Blue Ribbon. it's not like your Pabst Blue Ribbon. Pabst it's not like your crappy Michael Bay Pabst Blue Ribbon that's just, like, fed. My grandfather drinks Pabst Blue Ribbon. I don't think he knows about the joke, though. Yeah, that, that might be bad. Yeah, anyways. Uh, but, okay, so now least favorite. What's your least favorite aspect? It seems like this movie is looking to be, like, a quirky, fun thing. But like you said, it has no sense of flow... And there's, like, no exposition to explain. At least even just give us some tiny bit more background. It's very centered on its fans. It could use a bit more exposition just to even draw in new fans almost. Yeah. And at the same time, it needs flow so that it's great sometimes, these jumping cuts, because sometimes they're really effective. Sometimes they work really well for comic effect yeah, or like, dramatic like effect. Yeah, like, they're all going crazy when, when Joey Benz gets dragged into that room. Like, they're all going crazy, like, oh my god, is he, what's he doing? We need to get a hostage hostage negotiator, and then, like, the next, like, it just bang cuts to her breaking his arm yeah, on the desk. Yeah, like, yeah. There, there's great scenes like that with, with the jump cuts, but it needs a sense of flow for the other parts. Yeah, definitely. I would say... That's also why there's technical issues with it and the fact that Troy Duffy, he definitely has a way he wants to make this movie. The problem is, at certain points, he sort of undercuts himself by making it that way. You know what I'd almost suggest? I don't think it'll ever happen. Get a co-writer, get a co-director. Yeah. 
Yeah, you almost, you almost But wouldn't that. that drain out the personality, isn't it? No, because if you get someone who has kind of a synergistic personality or something with him, wouldn't then that, that, just, that would be... So you want, like, the Neville Dean Taylor team up? Almost. <laughs> I, wa- I want this to happen, except I want to be... It'll be like a... Cur- it, like, you'll have Crank on the one hand, which is quirky and it's hyper-violence and stuff, and then you'll have this on the other hand, which is quirky and it's like... Jump cuts and its references. And yeah. Um, I would also agree with that. My least favorite aspect probably is, is also the fact that it, it lacks flow and sense at certain points. And also, as I've said before, I don't really like the Boondock Saints themselves. I'm sorry, guys. They're kind of bland. But overall, pretty good movie. So what would you give this out of 10? It's hard to even rate this in this a, a sense. Give a question mark out of 10. I, I actually think I am going to give this you a question. You can't give it that. No, uh, give it a number. It has oh, to be. No, I made this for reasons. Uh, okay. Um, Do you want me to say and then you know? Yeah, you you say because I'm Okay. I'm it almost is, as I'm saying, impossible to rate this. But in terms of I in terms of the amount I enjoyed it while watching it, I'll give it 7.5 out of 10. That's how I will rate it. Um, I will give it a seven just because it's enjoyable, but it's weird. It's a seven, but with caution. Caution. Do not touch. It's like a seven. Handle with care. It's a seven with an asterisk and a warning sign. Like, (laughs) okay, I understand. It's a conditional seven. Conditional seven. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so next week. Depends on if our movie theater decides, in their infinite wisdom, to actually get Prince of Oran. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Infinite wisdom. Um, if they get it, we'll probably be reviewing that. If they don't, I think next week is time to bring on the true pain if they don't get it. Oh, no. Um, if they don't get... So, either next week will be Prince of Oran, which looks pretty terrifying, but at least it has Gemma Oto on in it, so you can just, like... Look at her and be like, you're cute. Why are you in this movie? But, um, it's the same theory I have with Amy Adams in most Amy Adams movies. Leap year. Which I haven't uh, watched yet. It's on my computer as we speak. I don't understand your obsession. It's not an obsession. I just, like, I'm gonna not really watch it. I'm just gonna I'll put in headphones. I'll make up my own damn story. All it needs to have, Adam, is just... It could be two hours of... Amy Adams just frolicking in Irish fjords. That's a word. In Irish fjords. Okay, not okay. an Irish fjord. Irish, what's the word they use? Um, um, gosh, gosh, gosh. The rolling hills of Ireland, let's say. The Emerald Isles. It could be two hours of that. Like just a pastoral scene? Yeah, kind just of? pastoral scenes. Okay. And and her. And, and that would be probably a better movie than Leap Year is. Probably. But it has elements of that in it, so therefore... Uh, okay. Therefore, I... I don't know, I wasted my life here. Anyways, anyway, stupid things. But, so anyway, the movie we're going to review, If There's No Prince of Land, is In the Name of the King of Dungeon Siege Tale. Uh, which, has, <laughs> which broke my will to live when I first saw it. Don't make me go through this. <laughs> you have to... I almost know my pain. Because... It's Uwe Boll's on Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Uwe Boll is a master of the cinema. Uh, he, well, he would tell you himself. And, uh, yeah. U- so, Uwe actually, is- screw it all. Screw it all. I don't even care if we see Prince of Iran. It's the, in the name of the king. 
Okay, wait, wait. So, uh, Oobal used to be a barrister, right? Barrister. Right, or something like that? Oh, perhaps, I don't know. I think you told me this one time or something. Anyway, Maybe. if he uh, if he was, then uh, that's good because then he can defend himself when we put him on for uh, war crimes after making this movie. Really? Yeah, like the Holocaust kind of pales it. No, um, no, that that might be too far. But I would compare this to uh, killing the will okay, to live of an entire generation. Seen it. You've only seen the trailer, and the trailer itself showed. was painful I know, enough. Like, so just imagine that for two hours and forty five minutes. Yeah. This might this might also break my will to live. Okay, so if we if we are not dead, if that movie is not defeated us, next week you'll hear us talk about it, and then the week after maybe put some away, or perhaps the A team. Who knows? Very good. Okay, so from all of us here at the Maven Tell No Tales podcast, I'm Cody Vance. And I'm Adam Barrett. And we are signing off, and we will uh, talk to you next week about In the Name of the King and Dungeons Each Tale. Uh, you have to say the full title every time. Clearly. And the alternative title is also Jason Statham Rides a Horse and Kills People. Jason Statham. With bad special effects. Oh, yeah. So anyway. Uh, Sayonara. Um, Morite Salutant. Yes, very good.